This week, we're reading A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, otherwise known as Haberdash and a Grain of Rice. Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. Want to see what's next on our TBR list? Subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at upcoming content or to help us pick our next book. This is Akatar, finally. <laughs> we did it. Akatar part one. We made it. Only a couple episodes late. Um, and I feel like it's a good season to like read this book because even though like most of it takes place in like the spring court or whatever it's kind of the vibe right now you need like mm-hmm. a cozy blanket to wrap up in to read this yeah and then you just sit on the couch and that's all you do all day while you're sick is just read Akatar <laughs> and Akamath <laughs> or ask you, me because I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or you death scroll on Instagram and see all the Akatar memes going around that is true. I feel like I've gotten, I don't know if my like Kindle is connected to my Instagram. It, okay, it probably is. Let's be real. But I got like an influx of like TikTok videos, like Akatar joke ones. And there's some low-key banger like joke ones on there. <laughs> For example. <sighs> Girl, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> tell you my middle name right now. So some like obscure cursed TikTok I saw two days ago, but most of it's got, uh, I will say some of them are a little bit like cringy, but it's to be expected. I will say I was at, um, I was at a concert a few days ago and it was kind of like an indie bluesy folk rock concert in Seattle. And oh, it was fantastic. ZZ Ward. Yeah, ZZ Ward, who's yeah. phenomenal if you've never listened to her music, uh, readers. Mm-hmm. But she had her two guitarists on stage, and it was such a a, a Reese and Tamlin pairing. Oh, really? so she had <laughs> yeah, she had her bass, her bass player and her guitar player on either side of her. And I swear to God. The bass player was the most happy-go-lucky blonde Ken doll you've ever seen. He was just vibing, oh. just, like hanging out. And then <laughs> the guitar player, who was amazing, had the whole fallout boy, black hair, bang suit, oh, God. <laughs> like suit jacket with like military-esque like style, like, I don't know, decoration oh, <laughs> on it. And he made the most um, dramatic facial expressions, just really <laughs> feeling it. And I could not help but think of Tamlin and Reese the entire concert. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> That's fair. I kind of feel like those are like flip too, because aren't like bassists normally the like long hair, yeah. just vibing out line? Interesting. Hmm. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Because it's the the swisheroo that also happens in this book because like (laughs) i remember the first time i read this i was surprised yeah you think you know what's going to happen and then sarah j moss just fucks you (laughs) in the best way (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) well like metaphorically and like maybe a little bit literally but (laughs) oh my god God. (laughs) wow oh the other thing on that um Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. So I was about to say is we should probably have like a, a warning. So if we sound a little weird and we're talking over each other readers on this episode, mm. it's because we we kind of are. We can't see each other. We're recording remotely and we're doing a new type of um, recording mechanism. So mm-hmm. we're going to try and 
not interrupt each other. We'll see. I would just expect it to not go well. Um, I feel like you should start off with um, your observation of Feyre <laughs> as a character because this literally destroyed my entire soul. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I don't like to start on a <laughs> negative note, but because I did, I did love this book when I first read it. Let's get let's get all the positives out. This is a mm-hmm. great book. Yeah. It's a reason. Like there's, you know, talked about all the time. However, this is this is Bella. Feyre is Bella for adults. If Twilight wasn't enough, like um, physical, like jam for you <laughs> this is this is the grown-up bella it's the like spicy version of twilight Feyre is very bland and i know she kind of picks up a little bit more in um akamath but mm-hmm. we really don't get any <laughs> distinctive personality from her ever because mm-hmm. i think we started around the same time and got through a couple chapters and then took a pause and like had a chat but you told me that and then that's all I could see for the rest of like the story is that <laughs> she's like doing actions. But like if you asked me anything about her personality, I don't think I could tell you <laughs> like she's just a, a little bit of a Mary Sue, but like not in a bad way, but just a very like bland way, like definitely insert yourself a little bit. I had the same problem because once I thought that it was really hard mm-hmm. to get through like even though you know you and i have both read this and you've read this several times mm-hmm. it makes you detach a little bit from like the immersive experience of being in this this world which is a really cool world it's also interesting because like Feyre, in lieu of a personality just gets this like obsession with painting and colors which mm. like is cool that's like her her quirk or whatever but that doesn't replace your personality Though I will say, uh, during the like competition bits towards the end, um, she's a little bit like snarkier. I think she has to step up a little bit. It seems that that's the other point I think I wanted to to make is that where Feyre lacks in like character growth and development, the story moves so quickly. Like you start this book, and then mm. like maybe the first chapter is a little, eh. But then you get thrown into the action and there's something always happening and driving along. And then before you know it, you're like you're at the big celebration at the end. So <laughs> it's funny, too. So like in these first couple chapters, um, for the people who haven't maybe read Akatar or it's been a while, um, we start out and she's in the snowy forest. She's kind of like thinking to herself that she needs to find something to hunt or else, you know, her family's going to go hungry. Um, she's the youngest sister of three is that how you say that so she has two older sisters yeah nesta and then the middle one who's like the the true mary sue nesta uh was had so much more personality than Feyre, and she only had like three scenes in this whole book yeah seriously because even in those like few scenes we really get just straight to the face who nesta is she is like very gruff very um stony like stoic um but also like very bitchy and is not going (laughs) to you know like soften herself for anyone and it could be one of those things that it's easier to have these extreme characters than it is to have someone that's kind of like middle of the road but i mean Feyre, in like comparison to her sister is like nothing (laughs) like yeah like (laughs) nothing memorable at least and 
Mm-hmm. Before we, I, I guess we should probably just get into our story because I noticed mm-hmm. in our last couple of books is we spend a lot of time critiquing and analyzing, yeah, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, by the way, we should tell the story too. Um, <laughs> and true. like you said, I don't know if there's anyone left in at least in this genre who read obsessively who haven't read Akatar. If you haven't read it, this is, uh, I mean, for the first time, it's a great trip. Yeah, it's kind of a staple of the of the genre honestly it's which is interesting because it builds on a lot of like themes and tropes that have already been really well established before even this book came out it's i think the first one to combine everything in a really well-paced manner yeah because i was just thinking that because sarah j mass's other like big series is obviously the throne of glass series and for people who are aren't familiar she came out with the first like two books i think in that series and then she came out with akatar but um throne of glass is a lot more fantasy based it's more that traditional like you know young woman comes of age has to fight some big baddie but akatar is a little bit more nuanced where it's set in a fantasy land they have this like overarching plot but like the romance and the like character development like relationships can kind of shine through more whereas like mm-hmm. throne of glass is really just Aelin kind of like killing her way through bad guys <laughs> isn't it, it like 10 books or something like that oh, ridiculous. They're, they're so fucking many i stopped reading i don't think i read the last two and i feel like i got like a full <laughs> like story arc but there's a fuck ton of them and then there's like spinoff ones too i think it's it's a little exhausting. Thankfully, Akatar is or the Akatar series is much more approachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, really, like, frankly, if you just wanted to read A Court of Thorns and Roses and A Court of Mist and Fury, like, you get everything you need. Like, I don't even really remember what happens in the third book. Frankly, <laughs> it's just it's kind of like a a enhanced epilogue, I would say. Like, oh, you mm. want to spend more time with these characters? Uh, here you go. Here's some more action. Um, some more, you know, interactions between our two, our male lead and our female lead. It is kind of interesting, like, comparing Akatar to Throne of Glass. Because, like, um, comparing Akatar to, like, this storyline in um, Nesta's, I always forget it, A Court of Silver Flames. There's like a lot less fantasy in that one and a lot more romance. So it's kind of interesting that Sarah J. Mass has like um, kind of spread out her like book catalog to include like pretty high fantasy with some romance, fantasy with a decent amount of romance, and then like a lot of romance with a dash of fantasy. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a pretty impressive, like not marketing scheme, but I mean, a way to kind of market yourself to everyone yeah hit every single reading base that you can imagine have you Mm -hmm. read her other the third series i think it's more ya um i read the first one as an audiobook and like let me tell you if you're thinking about getting into that series don't do it as an audiobook (laughs) (laughs) that was painful because they have this like catchphrase her and her friend where it's like something a little bit cringy like um dare to do something and every time the audiobook girl would narrate this line it just like felt like some 14 year old coming of age movie with like a group of girlfriends (laughs) it was was physically painful to go through um yeah (laughs) i don't know they're a lot longer it almost feels like there's more political intrigue in them 
but I feel like they were a little bit like haberdash. Is that a word? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Katie, I can't see you, but I wish I could because I'm pretty sure sh- haberdashery, I think, is a hat shop or like a hat maker. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not at all what I was going for. Um, oh, oh, my God. Uh, but that might be the episode title. <laughs> it was a little haberdash. <laughs> it just felt like there was a lot going on and I was like confused probably like 80% of the time about what was happening. Um, but it it is kind of an interesting trend, though, in Sarah J. Mass books, because it happens in this one, too, where she kind of starts off with these characters who are like more or less powerful, but generally kind of average or like have, you know, a decent amount of skill, a decent amount of like athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you like kind of are all about it and you're like this is kind of cool like she's not overpowered but there's other people that are way more powerful and she's still holding her own um and then she is sarah kind of almost like ruins it every single time where she like (laughs) makes something happen and then they become overpowered you know what i mean though that was the most gentle critique (laughs) like really in-depth like with teeth critique uh i think i've heard you make (laughs) i think she just kind of ruins it (laughs) It just bothers me because it happens in this one. It happens in her third series. It happens in um, the Throne of Glass series. Because like all of book one of Akatar, like the whole book, A Court of Thorns and Roses, like Farah is just a regular person. She's just like a girl and she's up against these like, you know, supernatural beings who have been around for hundreds of years. And like, there's no way that she's ever going to win. She's the underdog. And then, like, you have this kind of, like, cool concept, and then at the end, oh, she's made into a fae, and she has powers from all of the courts, and she's, you know, even more powerful than the regular fae, and it just kind of, like, bummed me out. Like, why couldn't we just have Feyre, like, maybe get, like, half skills, where she's, like, she lives a long time, but she's still a human or something? You know what I mean? I I, I can't put it any better than you already did, because Feyre goes from vanilla ice cream to, like, rocky road with whipped cream on top it's just kind of (laughs) ridiculous yeah but it's like it's like too much where it's like you know rocky road with uh whipped cream and then there's like sprinkles in it and then it's like covered in caramel sauce and then it has (laughs) uh like i know yeah this is making my stomach royal uh um, has like brownies in it or something (laughs) it's just like let our girl feyre just you know be the scrawny malnourished huntress okay (laughs) on that note okay so like you said it opens Mm -hmm. in the snowy forest she's hunting for her family because she's dying from hunger like malnourished (laughs) they can't like her boots are falling apart she's freezing Mm -hmm. and she sees a fucking deer and she's like oh great dinner uh for the first time in like weeks and so she (laughs) kills the deer and then I'm sorry, she's going to carry a whole fucking deer for hours to take it back to her house? Because she says, like, literally miles. Yeah. In the snow, too? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I we can't even about walk that. 15 feet. <laughs> There's no carry, way. Carry, like, a 30-pound backpack in the snow with one being hungry and cold. It's not going to go well. No. Uh-uh. And it's kind of like crazy too, because what I don't understand is, so we see the wolf, the wolf's about to kill the deer. So Pharaoh makes a decision. She kills the wolf, even though it's like a, you know, werewolf sized wolf. 
that is obviously not a regular animal. Um, she like shoots it through the eye, et cetera, et cetera. And then she skins it, which is like kind of graphic. Ew. Um, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't especially, know. But it's gross though. Cause she wraps up the dough in the wolf skin, but isn't that going to be like all like really bloody and like kind of gross? Uh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's one of those types of scenes where you wonder, like, what kind of research did the author do to write this scene? Has she ever gone hunting before? Because I have gone hunting one time, and it was a goose, and there was blood everywhere. Like, (laughs) traumatic. Never again. I can't imagine a whole fucking wolf and a deer. And then you have to carry both? And what makes me confused, too, is, like, I don't know. I've never been hunting. Jordan has one up to me in the, like, animals killed because I'm at, like, zero. It wasn't by choice, Um, I tell you. (laughs) Is this the one where you were, like, Mm -hmm. bullied Mm -hmm. into? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't don't have to. I shouldn't have even brought it up here. Um, That's a whole other story. (laughs) Uh, Jordan wasn't in a cult. I feel like we should preface that. But, um. <laughs> uh, but like Feyre brings back the deer and then she kind of like busts through her, you know, the open door and her sisters are like, oh my God, you got something. And she like lays it down on the table. But I'm just thinking like you can't butcher it inside like because there's blood all in it. Like she didn't string it up and like de-blood it out there so like like, where's she doing all this you know what i mean though because you know like hang it upside down or something yeah i think so and that's what i mean like this was very glossed over and yeah it's a very gory bloody disgusting scene um to say nothing of the fact that this wolf um based on the descriptions is sentient (laughs) like looks at fire and is like really are you gonna murder me and she's like yeah sure am (laughs) And I'm gonna skin you, <laughs> and carry your carry your skin home and sell it for money. Like, so I will say, as far as like opening scenes go, this whole like first and second chapter was like pretty impressive. It's like, okay, wow, Sarah. Like, I feel a little bit traumatized, a little bit like, holy fuck, Vera's fighting her for her life. I did not like how her sisters were portrayed, really throughout, except for Nesta. But in these mm-hmm. first two chapters, really. They seem so disconnected from their reality. Like they're yeah. overly villainized, if that can be a, a descriptor. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree. Cause like the quote um, that like really kind of put me over the edge was so Feyre comes in, she has the dead deer, whatever, et cetera. Um, and Nesta says, You stink like a pig covered in its own filth. Can't you at least try to pretend that you're not an ignorant peasant? She just like was hunting all day and like probably is covered in blood. Like that's such a like bizarre response to like someone providing food for you when you haven't eaten in like three days. Like it's very clearly set up to have um a redemption arc for her family. So you're meant to mm like want to know more about these sisters, but like they act so atrociously towards Feyre in this when she comes back. And the other thing that really ticked me off is Feyre just accepts it like as her due. And I, and I get that some people's response to like extreme trauma or like, you know, a fall in circumstances is kind of a detachment from reality, but this feels like over the top or like Nesta knows like what happened but she's still acting psychotic like 
And I, Elaine it, it acts just like weird. she belongs in a mental institution, like completely yeah. disconnected from everything. Yeah. It was just, it felt so weird. And then it's kind of like odd too, because, you know, Feyre does something with the meat, they eat, etc. They're going to go out to the like, I don't know, town square to sell it. Or Nesta and Elaine are like trotting behind them or whatever. Because that doesn't seem really like older sister behavior. No, I, it really doesn't. Feyre, like, as taking on this provider role, really is acting like the oldest. And if Nesta, and it kind of is revealed later on in the story, so without getting too far into that, like, Nesta, based on how she is described later, should not have been acting the way she is in this scene. Because it's kind of confusing, because if she's so, like, cold and aggressive and kind of, like, will do anything to survive. Because that's how Feyre describes her. It's like, why is she so, like, ignorant of the fact that... Because they also say that they spend all their money frivolously and just, like, Feyre doesn't want to give them any of the money that she's about to earn because she knows they're going to, like, buy dumb shit. And it's like, well, doesn't Elaine and Nesta know that they're, like... They just ate, didn't eat for three days. <laughs> it's weird. This first, These first two chapters are weirdly set up so to make the sisters drastically different so you immediately empathize with Feyre and you hate the other sisters and you want Feyre to leave the situation she's in and it's interesting too because like so after she gets back I don't think anything really important happens but um they're like doors bust down and this giant freaky creature with horns is like raging and he's like you murderer etc etc um this is like the friend of the wolf that was killed. Um, and Feyre's, you know, the only one that is trying to like defend the family. Um, so it's comparing Feyre in this scene to um, what was the main character's girl in the like monster romance that we read like a week oh, ago or two weeks ago. Gross. Um, I, what's her yeah, name? Anna Era. It was one of those uh, just mean girl names or like yeah. the mean girl name of the fantasy land. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ava. I don't, I don't remember, but the character in that one, um, she immediately is like, no, fuck those people. Um, when she gets like picked up by the monster or whatever. And she's like, I want you to break your deal with them and, you know, make this new deal with me. Um, fuck all these people. They never helped me ever. But then Feyre's response in here is like to immediately sacrifice herself in like, you know, the next couple chapters when she's in the spring court, she's like constantly trying to get back to her family or like to protect them or like to provide for them. So it's just interesting that they have kind of similar circumstances, but very different responses. That's a weird, I mean, it's a weird, but interesting contrast because it's a very like the setup is the same almost identical actually mm -hmm. and <laughs> this this scene actually when so they go to the market they sell the wolf pelt they come back there's like a little interaction with a mercenary mercenary and Feyre and it's like a foreshadowing for uh Feyre's introduction to fairyland basically when she's at home and like they're having like a peaceful family evening together or as peaceful as it can be um the, the beast shows up and I immediately pictured like the Disney style beast from the animated flick. I did you <laughs> <laughs> just based on the description, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is not good. <laughs> this is mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah. But the whole explanation of why this beast shows up 
the wolf was his friend, like you said. Feyre murdered his friend, and he's like, well, I own you now, and you have to come with me, or I can kill you, either option. It was just kind of a convoluted setup with this explanation to Feyre and her family of why Feyre has to go with the beast. Yeah, I agree. Because it kind of came out of left field. Yeah, like, oh, when I pissed you off by murdering your friend, but you're not going to kill me, instead you're going to take me to your fancy castle castle and uh yeah because i kind of i wish maybe it had been like a something to make it more subtle because like immediately as the reader i think even on like the first read around i was like oh that's a weird response like why is she gonna go with him instead of just like getting murdered right now i think it would have been a little bit more intriguing if she had been out on another hunting expedition or something and she was kidnapped Mm. by the um instead of this whole confrontation with her family I agree. Yeah. But again, I feel like um, like you were talking about uh, just a little bit ago, it's just almost like a mechanism to make Feyre different than her sisters or like the protective yeah. one or the good one. I'm not like other girls. <sighs> That's Feyre. That's <laughs> one <really>. fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's hard too because like she's, she's not an unlikable character, but it's just... Oh, everyone likes vanilla ice cream, but like, what's interesting about it? We learn later that the beast that shows up and kidnaps Feyre is actually a hot fairy that can shoot him. (laughs) But like, why didn't he just show up in his hot fairy form? If you're like, you're going to try and convince a human to go with you. Yeah. I, uh, it did not even occur to me that that was an option. The more we talk about it, the more plot we start finding. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard, though, because when you're reading it, like we were talking about um, earlier, like, you know, off of uh, the recording, but uh, the pacing of this book is excellent. Mm-hmm. You don't really have time to kind of consider some of these like plot holes almost like you're whisked from one thing to the other to the other. And like you're just here and alive for it. It's like a roller coaster almost. And there's not really time to kind of consider like, wait a second. (laughs) Exactly. And some of the most interesting things happen like once she's, once she arrives. So the beast kidnaps her, uh, puts her on a horse, and then they trot their happy asses um, to fairyland, uh, specifically Mm -hmm. to um, the spring court. Because like she is like magically put to sleep and then wakes up and they're there. (laughs) So I will say... (laughs) The pacing of this book is good, but chapters like six through maybe like 12 or 13 were a little bit slow for me, even during the first time like I ever read this, just because it's kind of setting up, um, you know, uh, Perithian, which is the fairyland. Um, We're probably just going to call it fairyland because that's way easier than trying to pronounce whatever that is. Um, It's like this amazing place. I had no concept of how that name was pronounced. Thank you. I was never going to say it. That was my guess. Like half of these names in here, I just, you know, I pray and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. I won't tell. Like, I think you are the one who told me how Feyre's name was actually pronounced. <laughs> like, I don't know how I was reading it before. I, yeah. Cause I think when I first read it, I was saying fairy, but yeah. like that felt stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Thank God who for knows? Tamlin. Tamlin's easy, at least. I know honestly because these like next couple chapters is just like getting to know tamlin who is the beast and he turns into like like jordan was saying the hot fey he has a mask on that's kind of a whole question thing that everybody's confused about 
Yeah. Yeah. His whole court, like all the servants and his best buddy, Lucian, all wear masks. They're like glued to their face, which is kind of scary when you kind of think about it. Like that'd be a little bit like unsettling for me. (laughs) Yeah. If you can never really see someone's like, because we absorb so much emotion by reading people's faces. And Mm -hmm. if you can't see that, yeah, you're kind of at a disadvantage when you're interacting with everyone. Yeah. And it's crazy too. Cause like when you think about it, it's not really covering up that much face. Cause like you can still see their eyes, you can see their mouth and like, you know, their lower jaw, but like, there's a reason that like superheroes never get identified and they only have the little like round parts around the eyes. Like <laughs> right. it really does make you look totally, you know, nondescript. <laughs> it makes me really want to go to like an official masquerade. Yeah. Same here. That'd be cool. I wonder mm-hmm. if they have masquerades that are like Akatar themed. Because I know I'm they sure. do balls or whatever. That would be so fun. Mm-hmm. But weird. Like yeah. fun but weird. <laughs> like you'd have to really just suspend suspend belief. Suspend? Yeah. Is that right? Oh my god, my brain uh, is just <laughs> <laughs> it felt right. <laughs> I think the last thing I want to touch on before we close out part one is mm-hmm. when she arrives at this castle, it's very much like Disney's beating the beast in the sense that, oh, it's Belle slash Feyre. She's refusing to eat. She's refusing to come out of her room. She's throwing a little hissy fit. Mm-hmm. But like, if she willingly went to Fairyland um, to save her family and she's starving, why the fuck does she care if the food could potentially affect her or not? Like, her fate is sealed. She's already here. And yep. she's going <laughs> to have a little temper tantrum over luxurious food. <laughs> Yep. It's funny because like as you're saying that, I'm literally reading my note that says almost verbatim the exact same thing. Because <laughs> I highlighted like there's one bit where she decided like right before that that she was going to eat first to like get her energy because she hadn't eaten in two days, you know, while she was unconscious. But then she immediately after that is like, if I move fast enough, I could be out of the house and sprinting for the gate within seconds. And it's like, but you just two seconds ago said that you were going to eat first because like I don't know about you but I can't be sprinting anywhere if I haven't eaten in two days yeah no no fucking way and then also the clothes (laughs) thing right like yeah she gets bathed or something like that and she demands to have Mm. her trousers and shirt back and they're like literally in tatters because they're so worn (laughs) and she just doesn't want any of the nice clothes that are like there pretty waiting for her probably sized perfectly like I feel like it kind of also speaks to just Feyre's lack of character almost is that her lack of character is conflated with her just like being a little bit irritating. Like I was irritated with her during all of this. Like, girl, you're in this fairyland. You have all this beautiful, delicious food, all these beautiful, cozy clothing that's just silks. I think the problem is, is she's supposed to be this very down to earth a practical character the one who's providing for her family and mm. making the smart decisions and doesn't care about the silly shit but then she does mm-hmm. silly shit like this <laughs> yeah it's like the practical answer here is to just eat things and be clothed and then wait you know two to three days and then disappear at your earliest convenience that might be the difference between um the heroine of throne of glass and Feyre, because mm. i would mm. if i remember that character 
well, she would be like, yeah, give me all the pretty clothes. I'm going to eat all your food and steal all your money. And then I'm going to leave. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think that that literally happens because she's, you know, taken out of the mines where she's been there for however long, like is on the brink of death. And then they're like, okay, you're either you can stay here or you can come to the castle and do this competition. And she's immediately like, okay, fuck me up. Like I'm going <laughs> to eat all this food. I'm going to start working out. And then I'm going to like steal shit on the meantime. Like that literally happens. Whereas Feyre is supposed to be the one that like is more sensical. And she's like, mm, I want to go home. <laughs> Give me paint so I can draw pretty pictures in my own <laughs> private studio. Yeah. Oh, God. Do we want to touch on that? Because that's the one thing that we haven't talked about that actually irritates me. <laughs> we tried to start positive, and then this whole first half of the book is <laughs> irritating us. But yeah, let's talk about her painting skills. Okay. So like at the beginning, we immediately, within like two or three lines, she's like, it's been years since I've noticed color and texture and things that are beautiful and amazing. And then she proceeds for the next like six straight chapters to like make these observations about like shadows and colors and everything that's beautiful and like wow I would try to paint this and never be able to but it's like you didn't have to say that first line about you know never having time for it and then all of a sudden you have all this time to do it <laughs> and if you're ever around like a truly artistic type soul that doesn't turn off for them. Rob is a painter, phenomenal painter. And he will mm -hmm. say stuff like, oh, look at the beautiful colors of the leaves. This would make a fantastic painting paired with, you know, X color and Y lighting, you know. Um, <laughs> but it'll be but, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Not just when it like circumstances are like ideal. I feel like that's mm -hmm. like an ingrained personality trait. And instead of being a personality trait for Feyre, it's just like a like a tack on like, oh, we need something to make yeah. her more distinct. Kind of mm -hmm. like... Bella's obsession with, you know, English literature. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a good parallel. Because, like, I just always skip past those things with Bella because I'm like, this is just trying to make her more relatable, but it's making it less relatable because she's irritating. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and what kind of just irritated me, though, is like, um, you know, those random character generators where you like click like create me a character and it's like your character likes cooking and enjoys <laughs> yeah. gardening and their Have favorite color the is blue. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what happened with Feyre and then, you know, the character from Throne of Glass and the character from the other one. Because they all, like Feyre's painting and then Aelin from the Throne of Glass is, what is hers, music. And then I think the third one is dancing. And it's like, oh, let me God. just take the top three hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder too, because Lucian, so Tamlin's bestie, um, mm -hmm. one-eyed Lucian and Tamlin himself are so dynamic as characters. Like they're interesting. You want yeah. to spend time with them. And I wonder if when the author was creating the story and, and mapping it all out, she had a fantastic plan for these two characters but needed to write a romance and so <laughs> struggled to create a female <laughs> lead and like well what is something everyone will relate to i 100 percent see that and i almost wonder if this book could have benefited from being not in the first person yeah i feel like sometimes when these like romances are written in the first person um it's either really done well because there's a a huge giant focus on like the relationship building and you kind of get to know the character through these like you know snippy quotes or like the reaction to things and how they you know talk back 
But um, in this one, there's not enough dialogue to really carry through Feyre's character. And mm-hmm. so when it's in the first person, we're just supposed to already know her. But it's like, I don't know this woman. <laughs> That's a really good point, because you're right. In third person, you would have the other character's observations of Feyre, which would allow you mm-hmm. to get a more like a better glimpse into who she is. And traditionally, though, you get that in first person, which is why first person can be annoying because sometimes you're getting too much of the character's inner thoughts and monologue. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's no monologue for her. She like she doesn't think about mm-hmm. herself or like reflect on anything aside from just reacting to the plot devices that are thrown at her. That's a really good point because kind of when you think about it and like go through this book, Like, I can probably name on one hand the time that she has any kind of, like, inner monologue, and it's all towards the end, and it's all just her really depressed about her circumstances. Oh, Farah, You're good for Mm -hmm. for one... You're a good one-night stand, but not a (laughs) reread. I agree, but I've also read this book probably, like, six (laughs) times. Like, (laughs) I am not learning my lesson here. (laughs) Well, I mean, but that really... We've we spent a lot of time critiquing the first half of the book, and I think that's fair because there are so many overly good reviews, like people yeah. obsessed over this book, and that's fine. Like 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 your stuff, um, and make sure other people like it too, and spread the spread spread the holy word of fantasy romance. But like, <laughs> also <laughs> think critically Honestly. about it sometimes. Yeah, because I think that's what annoyed me is like I went through the Goodreads reviews and I know we're kind of like jumping ahead because we haven't even really like talked about like what happens in this book. But um, most of the reviews are either incredible gushing, you know, this is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. Or it's these people that have these like kind of disingenuous one star reviews. I don't know anyone who could like honestly say that Akatar is anything below a three stars uh just because like the pacing is well done the characterization is well done the plot you know really moves forward it's holistic it makes sense you know we might have these very very specific critiques but i it's disingenuous i think to give it like a one star and then you read their their comments about it and it's just these very like surface level silly responses i think everyone kind of obsesses with the like accidental color change of the main villain's hair but it's like that's people's number one complaint and they'll give it a one star and it's like i I don't know that that's genuine you know what i mean no it's not like you really need to think of the stars as like different categories, like character development, plot pacing, like the actual mm-hmm. language is it written well. That's why reviews aren't fair. So I will say we are going into the like hypercritical critiques of this that like if these were addressed, this would be like the Holy Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that exactly. that's like, you know, the best piece of literature ever written, but like that level of, you know, um, awe, inspiration. <laughs> I think it was a few episodes ago we we talked about this being like the equivalent of the Marvel universe for fantasy yeah. romance. And it's like Marvel makes good movies. Like those are interesting stories, but they could be better if they did like slight tweaks here and there. And I think that's kind of the mm-hmm. train that we're on with Akatar. So definitely, um, readers, you know, take all of our critiques with a grain of rice. Uh, you know, this is obviously a book that we come back to all the time. We compare <laughs> other books to. It's, it's a grain of salt. Oh my god! <laughs> um, that that might 
surpassed. We're just Haber ending dash. there. <laughs> Haber dash and a grain of rice. Haber dash and a grain of rice. There we go. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> Don't be sorry. That's it. <laughs> it's adorable. Well, <laughs> that's it. we're done. From yeah. our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday and Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Thanks for listening. Bussin'. <laughs>